Negative Nice and Harb coming to you this week. We are in the virtual YY8 studios. I'm here in Strawberry Plains. Harbin is, uh, where, where are you at now? I can't remember. Also Strawberry Plains. That's right. That's right. You bounced around there for a little bit, so I wasn't sure where, where you were these days. So, well, glad glad you were uh, able to join us. Uh, we're currently, uh, if if you're listening to this, you're probably in the snow or looking out your window and seeing snow. Um, currently, it is 8.58 p.m. Sunday night. No snow has started falling yet in East Tennessee, so we'll see uh, what happens with that overnight. Looks like about... Here any minute, we might start getting some. So, uh, hope everybody got their milk and their bread, their uh, Dr. Pepper, their beer, their liquor. What? Whatever else you need to get through uh, Snowmageddon 2024. You said the... You said winter was going to come and get us here pretty quickly, Harbin. So you you're not far off from what you said last week. Now uh, I trust the woolly boogers and the farmers almanac, and uh, they said it was going to be harsh. Uh, they didn't say it was going to come early or on time. It's looking like it's going to be late, but uh, she's going to get us. She always does. As of nine p.m., uh, Memphis and Nashville have already. Already uh, caught it pretty bad, so it's trending this direction. Yep. Well, just buck if um, if if you've already experienced, I hope hope you everybody's staying warm and safe out there, and uh, hopefully this will get you through uh, a little bit of your day. So let's just get right into it, Harbin. Um, it's a rough day for you. Um, Big Montana decided not to join us. He's too busy licking his damn wounds as one of our listeners used to say. Um, let's just tell us how you're feeling after the uh, Cowboys got obliterated by the Green Bay Packers this afternoon. Uh, it's tough because um, it comes around every year um, in many different shapes and forms. Um, I've obviously had a million people message me to either screw with me or check on me or rub it in or just want to talk about the game, which I'm not interested in any of those, just to be 100% honest with you. Um, I'll get back to you in 24 to 36 hours. Um, but since it happens all the time, I'm numb to it. But also at the same time, it makes it that much worse because you know it's coming. Um this might be the worst playoff loss for the Cowboys in my lifetime. And I've experienced some excruciating ones. Like we've had some, had some close calls. We've had heartbreak. We've had dumb decisions at the end, but this was a game. This was a game where you were supposed to handle fairly not fairly easily but you're supposed to take care of business there's a home this young team and you just completely shit down your leg and get boat raced at home 
at a place you haven't lost to all year. Um, yeah, it's going to suck. Uh, the Packers are notorious for being cowboy killers. Uh, I thought that was all Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's clearly not. They have the 24-year-old light-skinned version of them now. Um, so, I mean, tomorrow or Tuesday I'll be completely fine. I won't care anymore. That's how sports work. Um, but it sucks right now, you know? I mean, it's, it's tough. Um, and then you got to deal with um, all the people that you're friends with or acquaintances with. Um, and you're in this boat. Uh, I'm going to call you out. Um, that don't really have an NFL team or at most are a fair weather Titans fan, which is hilarious to me because Nashville hasn't seen fair weather in a, in a quite a while. Um, they had one of the best running backs of all time and just got one championship game uh, appearance out of them. Conference, not even total league. Um, but those are the loudest ones. Um, and they always are. Um, I have some friends that are diehard fans, and I, I respect them tremendously because I know what they go through. And they're normally the quietest ones when your team is going through tough times. Um, Joey Cox is an example. He's a Niners fan. I was looking forward to a rematch, finally getting them. It's not happening. I haven't heard anything from Joey because that's what diehard fans do. But it's the ones that don't have a team or their team's trash and they don't really follow them until they start winning, kind of like you. Um, you know, I mean, you didn't have to tag me in four separate social media posts with that 65-year-old woman holding uh surrender cobra <laughs> saying that that was me you know you didn't have to do that that was a dickhead move i didn't have to but i did I, and I, I mean emotions are high right now uh and i understand that we have uh some younger listeners on the show so i'm gonna do my best to um to censor myself uh because they weren't the ones that uh, hollered at me but uh, Nathan Nice, you are on the chopping block. You, you're an asshole. You're an ass. Who else out there is in the on the chopping block? Anybody else? Just me, or is there I mean, others? you're number one. I mean, you posted on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram. You know, um, now on Twitter, I I put that in response to someone else. I didn't even tag you in it on that one. No, but I mean, I caught the message and obviously so did John <laughs> because he tagged me in the reply. You know, I mean, it's not that hard. Um, but this is character building, in my humble and honest opinion. Um, I've been a Cowboys fan as long as I can remember, and they have done absolutely nothing in my entire lifetime. Um, you will never experience that feeling. For a professional team, um, experience. If when, experience what? If and when we finally get over the hump, it'll be a glorious feeling. I may be seventy nine years old when that happens, but all the bad that I'm experiencing, that I've experienced through 
elementary, middle, high school, college, up into my young adult life. Uh, whenever it does happen, it'll make it that much sweeter. Um, and I keep receipts. Um, so you, you, know, you, I, you, and the, and the you, Dallas thing has played out to me. I mean, people hate them based on them winning 30 years ago. You know, I mean, like, whatever, man. Um, you, you do realize I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, correct? You are a Cubs fan, correct? <laughs> and yeah. how much crap did I go through until they finally got over the hump in 2016? Correct, but they also nobody hates the Cubs. But I also nobody took a bunch of no. You're you're right, but Wait, and I don't hate the Cowboys. Um. But I did take I did take a bunch. I understand that. I did take a bunch of crap uh, over the years. Uh, every time the the Cubs oh, yeah. lost, but it wasn't as often. That's what I was telling. Um, God, who was it? I was telling somebody just a little bit ago. You know, it kind of feel. I know how they how Cowboy fans feel, but it's a little bit different because the Cowboys are in the playoffs every year and they're hopped up every year. And they do this every year where the Cubs were make the playoffs a couple years back to the cellar for about five or six or seven or eight years. And then new ownership came in, took over, expectations changed. They started making the playoffs every year. And uh, then it went back to not making the playoffs. But the Cowboys make the playoffs seemingly most every season, especially here recently, um, but just can't. Just can't get over the hump for whatever reason. Well, well, I wanted to ask you this because I was talking to somebody else, and we'll get into UT stuff here in a minute. I hear a lot <clears throat> all the time, and don't take anything I sent you or tagged you in personally, Harb. We're just having a good time. It's personal. <laughs> it's personal. Okay. Um, so I hear a lot about Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones is the problem. But it seems to me, just outsider's view here, he, he, for the most part, I think puts a pretty good team out on the field, product on the field. I think he's got a pretty good coach in Mike McCarthy. Why, why do people all the time say it's Jerry Jones' fault? Because I don't quite grasp that. I don't understand what – what is he, in your opinion as a Cowboys fan, what is he doing to hold this team back or this franchise back? Well, to correct you just a hair, uh, Mike McCarthy is a bad head coach. He's not good. Um, Won a Super got, Bowl. Yeah, he got carried by Aaron Rodgers. And listen, man, like, I normally defend Dak. Um, I'm not trying to throw him off a bridge like most Cowboys fans are right now. But he's not prime Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that goes without saying. Um, McCarthy got carried in Green Bay by Aaron Rodgers. They were always good. They always had at least a decent amount of talent around him. Um, but it goes before that with Jerry, um, directly before, uh, he's always kind of been big on getting Texas guys or, or Dallas guys, um, directly before McCarthy was Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was a train wreck. He was not a good head coach. Um, before that, it was Wade Phillips. That was arguably even even worse. 
Uh, you go right before that, it was Bill Parcells. Uh, he was a shell of the man he once was. Um, the thing with Jerry is he makes what, I mean, it's with any other GM or owner, he makes what he thinks is the best decision. Um, but his judgment skewed. Um, about roughly 10 years ago, uh, his son Steven took over the draft process for the Cowboys. And that's why we have a good roster now. Um, the the first year he took over in the draft was uh, the year Johnny Manziel got drafted. I don't remember what year that was. But everybody wanted Manziel in Dallas. They're like, oh, it'll sell tickets because we weren't that good at the time. Instead, we drafted uh, Travis Frederick, who was NFL All-Pro every year of his career before he retired early due to health problems when he was 29 years old. Guy am. Um Ever since then, Steven has had total control of um, of the draft process. And since then, we've drafted Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, um, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Leighton Vanderesk, all the guys that you know that have been very good Cowboys players on the – at least within the last couple of years, have all been Stephen Jones products. That's why we've improved as a franchise. We have all the tools and all the money. We just don't really have all the brains. Um, and the rumor is out there that if we didn't make it past the divisional round, which obviously we didn't even make it past the wild card round, um, that McCarthy was gone. And I don't even think he made it out of the stadium. I think he's already been notified and they're just going to wait till tonight or tomorrow morning to say it. But um, apparently Jerry is uh, in love with Jim Harbaugh. So hmm. we'll see about that. Um, emotions are kind of high. I'm not going to really give my opinion on him because I don't really know. Um, obviously the other choice would probably be like Belichick. Uh, obviously Vrabel's out there too. Um, but it's it's looking and sounding like Harbaugh. Uh, McCarthy's gone. Uh, all he ever was was fat Jason Garrett. He was a he was a hand puppet for Mr. Jones. Um, and I hate to say this because this guy is a father and I'm sure a brother and a husband. Um, but we're not going to get over the hump until that man dies. And I've said that for the last seven years. So it's true. It sucks, but we've got we've got probably a top four roster in the NFL, and you get boat raced by a team that's average age on the fifty three man roster is twenty five. At home, you you got to do something. Um, I think Dan Quinn's gone too, unfortunately. So we'll yeah, see. Um, I'm not a I don't. Fairweather Titans fan, more of a casual Titans fan, but it would not shock me in the least if the Titans hired Dan, failing Dan Quinn, um, as their next head coach um, here in, over the next few days or weeks. And I don't say failing; he's not failing as Dallas's defensive coordinator. They had a pretty good year defensively, but he's a failed head coach. The Titans are going to hire some loser, probably. Uh, it's going to be a slow process of rebuilding, but, um, I was talking to a guy the other day. He's more excited about it than I am because he loves Will Levis. 
And I think that might be part of the problem is they've drafted poorly at the most important position on the field. And then they let the second most important position as the head coach go. He's a great Mike Vrabel, great head coach. He's gone. And partly Mike Vrabel's own fault because he couldn't get along with the GM from, from what you can hear. But yeah, what a, what a mess in Nashville right now. The weather sucks out there and so does the football team. All their football teams. Vanderbilt sucks. The Titans suck. It's pretty rough shape out there. But, well, Harbin, I hope you uh, don't dwell on this too long. Time will heal all wounds. Oh, my gosh. I, have to come uh, over. I just want to say, before you say <laughs> anything, that's been there literally every episode <laughs> that I've recorded in this room. I like it. Yeah, but uh, 30 minutes ago, I was thinking if I could potentially start it with my own breath. Um, we're past that. Uh, we're healing. We're in the healing process. Healing process. Well, healing. good. I, I, going off the healing process, I have a message I'm supposed to pass along to you from Isaiah Keck, listener okay. of the show. He says, I love you. That was I always love you I love you, too. I appreciate that. And for those that were uh, that are listening only, uh, what Harbin was referencing a minute ago is a gun in his room. <laughs> I don't know if it's a BB gun or a shotgun or oh, it's it's shotgun. Shotgun, okay. Well, just make make sure that it's uh, put up nice and safe tonight, Harbin. <laughs> all right, so I'll, I'll, lock I'll lock it up in the closet with all the knives. To... Yeah, there you go. So let's move on from the Cowboys. Um, this, I guess, next topic will be half depressing, half um, joyous, I guess. I don't know. Um, it was a weird week for the Vols basketball team. They went one and one, uh, lost at Mississippi State on, uh, when was that, Wednesday night, and then uh, won on Saturday afternoon at the Georgia Bulldogs. And um, I'm trying to pull up some info here from the games, but uh, what what was your thoughts on the games? Tennessee really, it I don't know how to explain it. I guess it's something we've all seen over the years with this with this program. Um, it's been very successful program under Rick Barnes. Has won a ton of basketball games. I think. I heard on the LSU-Auburn broadcast yesterday that Tennessee and Auburn are tied for the best record in the in the conference over the last seven years. They're tied for the best – most home wins or the, be or the best home record in their respective home arenas over the last two or three years, um, which is interesting because Bruce Pearl used to be our coach and we had to move on for reasons we won't get into tonight. But um, – Something with this with this basketball team I was I was hoping would go away is the portions of the game where they go in these lulls and I just I went I had to go back. I just I'm just going full disclaimer here. Yesterday I had to work most of the day, and I came home to grab some lunch and saw from the like 14 15 minute mark of the first half till about the 16-minute mark or so after into the second half. 
So I saw Tennessee play really well, probably at its best, and then Tennessee play some of its worst basketball of the season. They went the last four minutes and change of the first half without scoring a point, not just a field goal. They couldn't get to the foul line. They couldn't make layups. They couldn't make a three. They couldn't do anything on the offensive end and allowed Georgia to go on a 9-0 run to end the half. Georgia extended that to like a 15-0 run right out of the gate in the second half. Tennessee went from having a 14-point lead against Georgia. I'm kind of jumping around here. I should be talking about Mississippi State first, but um, but went from having a 14-point lead in the first half, 42-28, to trailing by 11 at a couple different points in the in the second half. Um, now, I will say this. They were able to find a way, gutted out a win, thanks to Dalton Connect and Jonas Adu. Um, and that's a sign of a team that doesn't panic, a veteran team that, you know, doesn't, you know, let things get to them. They're not, you know, everything. They're probably just totally out of a game. But I did yesterday. I left the house. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, I get so frustrated with this team because they're better than that. They are better than that. When you're up 14 on the road against an inferior opponent, there is no way that opponent should come back and go up by 11 points at any point in the game, much less over halfway through the second half or under halfway through the second half. I got up and left. I texted you all and said it was over. I had no idea that Tennessee had won until you all text the group. I literally didn't watch the game. I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't look at my phone. I couldn't do it. And that's so un out of my character to do that. But I was so pissed off yesterday at that basketball team. Um, I, I don't understand. And it, you can look back at the Mississippi State game on, on Wednesday night. The first half, they came out pretty well. And then they could not do anything on offense. And give credit to Mississippi State. They're a really good defensive basketball team. They made it tough on Tennessee. But in the second half, Tennessee was a completely different team. They started press, pressing Mississippi State. Mississippi State couldn't get the ball inbounds. And Tennessee couldn't miss. But this team goes in these offensive lulls. And it's not that they're it's not that they're running bad offense. It's not that they're taking bad shots. And I get tired of hearing that. Well, this is typical Rick Barnes. You know, he's he's drilling up he's drilling the offense out of him. They're running their – if you go back and watch, they're running their same stuff. Guys, basketball is a simple sport. It comes down to making shots. And Tennessee, for some reason, it ain't just one of them. It's the majority of the team. For five minutes, they seem to forget how to shoot a basketball properly. Santiago Vescovi shot one at Mississippi State the other night that hit the back part, the you know, the flat part of the rim that connects the actual circle – cylinder part of the rim to the backboard he hit that like a shooter as good as he is should never i mean i understand randomly but it, it just i don't get it it's like they it's like they collapse mentally i don't know what the problem is but they've got to fix that that's one of the only flaws i see with this team right now when they're playing at their best they're hard to beat and they're one of the best teams in the country. 
But and I realize in basketball that you're going to go through sh- scoring lulls, but it seems like when Tennessee goes through these, it's just it's almost backbreaking, and they're letting teams hang around. And it's not just this year; it's been in past years. But they let teams hang around. That Georgia, I'm sorry, they're better this year, but you know when you get them down 14, they have no business going up 11 points, much less getting back into the game. And Tennessee was only up five at halftime because they could not score. And they've got to figure out a way to be better. They're super seniors or or veterans, whatever you want to call them. Triple J and Santiago Vescovi, they've got to be better. I mean, I think Triple J in the first half against Georgia was 0 for 7 from the field. And they're not letting it affect them that much on the defensive end, but they did on Saturday because those two were terrible on defense on the defensive end of the court Saturday. Um, I don't know. I was very frustrated Saturday with it, and I'm still a little – I can feel my blood pressure getting up a little bit, Harbin, here just talking about it because I really feel like this team should be 3-0 and right now. Um, I wasn't as upset with the Mississippi State loss on Wednesday night because I think Mississippi State's a better team than – People understand that they are. If you look at the metrics across the board, they're a top 30 basketball team. And I know they lost to Alabama over the weekend. But Alabama's a top 15 program, even though a lot of people get hung up. Well, they ain't ranked. Stop looking at coaches' polls and the AP poll. That's opinion-based polls. Look at Ken Palm, net rankings, and other metrics that will tell you where basketball team stands. Mississippi State's a good basketball team. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. If they're not, I'll eat crow. Um, Georgia, on the other hand, probably not going to be in the NCAA tournament. They might be a bubble team at, at best, but I don't even see that happening. But it's good that Tennessee's coming back home this week. Maybe that'll help them kind of calm down a little bit. I know the SEC's better this year, and Georgia's better than they have been in the past. And Tennessee doesn't play well at Stegman Coliseum. Historically speaking, they've – Won very few games over the years down there at that place. But um, even Bruce Pearl struggled down there. But um, I, I wish they would find a way to be more efficient for 40 minutes and not 25 or 30 minutes because that crap will come back and haunt them in March. And Rick Barnes said it after the game. He said it two weeks ago before SEC play started. He said, I love everything about this team. I love everything that they're doing, but they've got to be more consistent. They have these lulls, these lapses. He doesn't know why. Um, Big Montana would probably say Rick Barnes needs to yell at him a little bit more, call more timeouts. I don't know. Um, But I I just think if this team could put a consistent 35 to 40 minutes together during a game, they're one of the top five teams in the country, and I'll go to the grave with that, Harbin. And my rant is over. Um, I'm going to try to get a little bit more chronological than you did. <laughs> I, I was all over the place. Um, I didn't say it on air. I said it in our group message. Um, the Mississippi State game was a trap game. Uh, and I caught a lot of fleck from, from you. Because I called it a trap game. Uh, for you, for those of you that don't know, um, Mr. Nice hates the term trap game. 
just don't believe in it. He the example he used was do you not think that this team knows they're better than Norfolk State? No shit they do. But it's a game on paper where you're like, oh, at Mississippi State, you know, that'll be a little bit challenging, but we should end up winning full away. Um, and a lot of y'all out there may be gamblers. Some have no idea about anything about gambling. But we were only favored by a point and a half the day before the game, and that concerned me. And that's why I called it a trap game. Because you may hate gambling, you may love gambling, but Vegas puts that damn line there for a reason. Those buildings ain't built on hopes and dreams. Um, it was a trap game. Um, the biggest there's two there's two very large grievances I have with that Mississippi State game. Not not that game by itself, but issues that arose in that game. Uh, number one. Um, we've got to start the, we've got to stop the slow starts on the road. Um, we got blitzed in the first half against North Carolina. That's why we lost that game. Um, and Mississippi state, uh, we was down 14, 13 at halftime. You can't do that. You cannot do that. Uh, especially against teams that are quad one. You know, I mean, I, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, like pretty good teams to good teams, you cannot do that whatsoever, especially on the road. Um, Got to figure that out. In both games, we battled back, which is nice to see in the second half, but it's too little too late. Um, Instead of being down by 13 or 14, if you're down three or four at halftime, you get out a win. I mean, that's the simple – that's the simple fix. Uh, my second grievance, um, this could get contentious right here. My second grievance is Jonas Adu. Really? 100%. Um, he has played in most games. He's played very well this year. He's been a, he's been a big factor for our success. But if you look at two or three games this season – where we have lost and he has not played well whatsoever, it is when they have a skilled big man who has more mass on him than Adu does. That's the issue here. Which, I mean, I'm going to use Zach Eady as an example. I understand he's probably the best player in college basketball, but struggled mightily against him which we didn't hold that against him. Uh, lost close game, you know, and uh, I forgot who said it, but last show or two shows ago, we said that he won't play a big man as good as him the rest of the year, which he won't, and he hasn't since then. That was you that said that. I think it was, I think it was Montana. Uh, I thought it was you, but okay. We'll give it to either Big way, Montana. Either way, point stands. I mean, <laughs> Somebody that, said it. <laughs> that sentence is true. Okay. Correct. Yes. So you roll into uh, you're on Stark Vegas, play Mississippi State. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tolu Smith, their their big man, this was his first game back. Correct. Uh, I believe it was his second. I think he played 
at South Carolina, I think. Okay. First I could be wrong. Second. I could be wrong. He's very new. <laughs> he's very new, like coming back in. Um, he absolutely torched Jonas Ada. So Adu got five rebounds. He got five shots off. Scored nine points. Uh Tolu Smith for the game. Had 23 points, four rebounds, seven of ten from the field. And I mean that sounds like a large discrepancy, but if you watch that game, like they do kind of got bullied. And no, I hate there's no kinda. He did. <laughs> yeah, I like Jonas Ada. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a very important part of this team. But if you get a guy on him that is thicker than him, it's a mismatch against us. And the alternative is you put in Waka, who looks like a lost baby deer on offense. So that's an issue going forward. Um, obviously, I do is not the only reason we lost the Mississippi State game. Uh, of the 72 points we scored, uh, 54 of those were scored by two players. And Adu scored the nine more. So that's 63. So of the other uh, six players that played, they scored a collective nine points. Um, and you mentioned Viscovi. He only got a uh, – we have a fifth-year senior who's been all SEC, what, two or three years in a row. He got up four shots against Mississippi State. Three of them were threes. And from what I remember in the game, they were kind of jack-ups. And one of them, you said, hit the damn shot clock. Or might as well hit the shot clock. Yeah. Um. I thought I liked Jordan Ganey for a while. Get him, get his ass off the damn floor. Um, if you want to win some ball games, get his ass off the floor. Give me more Frankie. Um, Meshack no showed at Mississippi State as well. He only got two shots up. Um, didn't do anything. That was just. I'm not gonna call it a bad loss. It was a frustrating loss. That game was frustrating. You had every opportunity in the world to win. You should have won that game, and you didn't. Um, now, moving on to Georgia, I'm not going to spend as much time on this game as the Mississippi State game because I only watched the last five and a half minutes because um, chess pat, this one's on me. I didn't know what time we played. I thought we played in the evening. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, uh, me and my roommate was out doing yard work, and I uh, kept – Kept feeling the phone buzz, and it was y'all talking about the game. Check the ESPN up for six minutes left, so I watched the last five and a half minutes, which was, I, I assume, the best five and a half minutes of the game. Um, What we really need to be talking about is how Dalton Connect is an absolute killer on the road. Um, He is the third road warrior. His name is Road Warrior Dalton. Uh, he is in the Legion of Doom. Um. <laughs> He is averaging, and I, I think I think what is five true road games on the season. He's averaging thirty two point five points per game he's, for college. That is insane. He's not he's not draws in the Legion of Doom. No, 
Um, he is not. But he is a stone cold killer. And him and Ziggler this week were the only two that really showed up, in my opinion. Um, let's see here. I'll take that back. Adu had a good game against Georgia. I was about to say, we're, you got to give Adu. Adu had a good game because he had a very slow start. From from my research, obviously I didn't see the first thirty five minutes, but he had a slow start. Um but he ended up with a ten point fifteen rebound double double. Also put in five blocks, I think it was. Um that's it's not bad. Um but Viscovi and Triple J combined for four of fourteen for ten points. Yeah, here's uh... those are fifth year guys. Here, here's Vescovi and Triple J stat line the past two games. Uh, Vescovi is one of four, zero of three from three point range at Georgia. Two of five, all all five shots at, at. I'm sorry, that was Mississippi State the first game. Two of five versus Georgia, all five attempts and two makes were three pointers. <clears throat> Triple J was one of eight from the field at Mississippi State, zero for three from three point range. And two of nine against Georgia, 0 for three from three point range. So combined, let's see, they've made two, four, five, six shots between the two of them the past two games. Not great. Not great. Not great. And you're right. Adu did get pushed around. So did Awaka at Georgia, or sorry, Mississippi State. But I thought Adu. Yeah, two out of the last three games, he's had a double double. He's played pretty well. Um, he's not your your traditional back to the basket post player. I, I just I mean, the more you see him this year, he really excels when he's moving around. Um, so you're right when he and it's not anything that anybody else hasn't seen when they play when they play a tough big man down low that roots around. We're we've got some issues. They're gonna have to figure out how to defend that differently than they're doing right now. I don't know what the answer is right this second, but they've got some issues to figure out when they face a player like like a Tolu Smith. Dalton Connect was also amazing, like you said, Harbin. Um, I think what has he scored sixty four points the last two games, and he had two points at halftime at, at Mississippi State. Um, but he had 36 yesterday, 28 at um, 28 at Mississippi State on Wednesday, 26 in the second half, and then 36 yesterday at Georgia and becomes the, I think, first player since Admiral Schofield to score, what was it, 25-plus in back-to-back -back games at Tennessee. Is that what I read? Is that correct? Run that back one more time. First player since Admiral Schofield in um, twenty nine or yeah, it was twenty nineteen to score twenty five plus in back to back games for Tennessee. I think is what I read. Well, that sounds right. Because um, Grant was also gone in nineteen, so I don't think we've had anybody else that, off the top of my head, would have done that. I'll have to look that up. Um, but yeah, he's he'd been in a little bit of a of a of a funk. Um Dalton Connect had over the past few weeks. I think a lot of it stemmed from his ankle injury. He just didn't look like the same player. And then in that second half, 
he hit a three and it's like the seas parted and the light bulbs came on or whatever you want to call it. He was a totally different player. And when I knew he was better in that Mississippi state game, he was putting the ball on the floor and going to the basket. And he had not been doing that the past two or three, four games since the North Carolina game when he, when he rolled his ankle. Um, but I felt like he was more aggressive. He was putting the ball on the floor, getting to the basket, getting to the foul line. And he's also making outside shots. He can do it all that. Yeah, connect as a special player. Um, I don't know where he'll end up in the in the in the ranking of Tennessee basketball players once he's done here. Um, but he is absolutely making his way toward a top five basketball player in Tennessee history. And he's only going to be here for one year. But I mean, you could put like Tobias Harris in that category. He was really good when he was at Tennessee and has gone on to have a really good career in the NBA, but um, Dalton Connect is kind of what this team needed. I, I talked about it when I went on the Hoop Southbound podcast a couple months ago before the start of the season. Dalton Connect is that guy that can take pressure off of Vescovy, Triple J, and even Zakai Ziegler. They don't have to carry the load all the time. Um, this week we saw that. He carried the load at Georgia. Um he carried the load in the second half at Mississippi State while Zakai Ziegler carried the burden in the first half. Now, I'm, those other guys at some point will – I have faith that they'll step up and do something. Um, but he is – think if they don't have him this year. All these other guys come back, they don't have Dalton Connect. Where would this team be right now? So, kudos to Rick Barnes and his staff for, for finding him and getting him in here. And um, I'm telling you, I just I, – I believe it. I say this every year, and everybody probably gets sick of me saying it, but I really believe this team can go as far as they want to go if they can put it all together. They've got everything they need. They've got a big man down low that's serviceable, even though he gets pushed around by some big guys. They've got Dalton Connect, which is a game changer. They've got Zakai Ziegler. Uh, only questions I have right now, Harb, and you mentioned it earlier with DeLeon, is their depth. I, I don't think their depth right now is as good as we thought it would be at the start of the season. They're really not playing that many players. Uh, jo Jordan Ganey's been bad the last few weeks. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, Mayshack is up and down. I love Mayshack. He had a great game against Ole Miss, but he was nowhere to be seen at Mississippi State. Had a pretty decent game against against Georgia Saturday, but um, Jordan Ganey needs to either figure it out or he doesn't need to be on the floor. I, I don't know what – I don't think Barnes is going to give up on him quite yet, but it's getting to the point where he's almost a liability out on the court. And I, I give those minutes to Freddie DeLeon, the five-star guard that we've got in here. Um, we've been waiting on that guy to – to do something and he got more playing he's gotten more playing time over the past couple weeks but um i just don't think the depth on this team right now and it could get better as we go along but they've really over the past month trimmed their bench down to just about seven or eight guys total and it might get smaller as we go along i, I they got to find some depth because zakai ziggler can't play 35 and 38 minutes every night neither can adu they got they got to, these guys on the bench have got to come in and provide some more meaningful minutes. But right now, 
it's the starting five plus a couple, and that's about it. Their their depth is not as good as I thought it would be right now. Now, I, I will say um, I agree with Ado, and that's just naturally because of foul trouble with big men. Uh, and I mean, obviously, in conditioning, but Ziggler can probably play 35 a game. He can. He can. Um, and I don't think it'll be that detrimental on the season going forward if he does, you know. Um, with that being said, though, um, the, what, 20 to 25 minutes that Ganey used to get, uh, I would love for DeLeon to get 20-ish. Um like any come in maybe every once in a while. If you don't play, you don't play. Um if we start playing if we start playing better when he doesn't play, keep him off. Um I hate it for the kid, but I'm all for the best possible lineup. Um I really want to see Estrella play more. Uh that that's somebody that we haven't talked about in a while. Um I don't just want the only two big men in the game to be Adu and Awaka. Like I want to see Estrella get playing time. I thought in that um and that Maui tournament, I thought he played pretty well. And he hasn't really gotten much significant playing time since then. Mm. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, obviously, I don't make $5 million a year to make those calls. I've heard Rick Barnes talk about some of these guys, like you're referencing Estrella. Um, I don't. I've heard him say he doesn't trust him right now. And obviously, like you said, he makes the big bucks. He sees him in, in practice every day. So there's a reason he's not putting them out there. But I'm looking here at the Georgia game Saturday. Freddie DeLeon played four minutes, and Jordan Ganey played 14. Freddie DeLeon was 0 for 2 from the field, and Jordan Ganey was 0 for 1 from the field. Um, I don't – I honestly can't remember – I think – Ganey hit a three against Mississippi State, but I can't remember another shot he's made in the last two weeks. He's been bad on the offensive end. Um, but I would like to see, if he's not going to shoot any better than that, I'd like to see those minutes flipped. Yeah. Ganey played four minutes. Freddie DeLeon played 14. Um, Awaka only played seven against Georgia, and I thought he was pretty good in the uh, first half, and then he, you know, he wasn't back out there anymore. Uh, Ganey went 0 for 5 in nine minutes against Mississippi State, by the way. Oh. He hit a three against – maybe that was Ole Miss. <laughs> I remember him hitting a shot. Well, hell, everyone hit one against Ole Miss. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I hate to sound that way towards the young man. Uh, we only had eight players play against Ole Miss. Uh, Ganey went one for three. He had three points. What has happened to him? He he was not shooting the ball like this at the start of the season. Well, I mean, the last time that we spoke about him, um, I said that he was kind of a roller coaster guy. I kind of compared him to a Marcus Smart when Marcus Smart used to play for the Celtics. Um, he's going to get his shots up, and some of them are going to feel like bad shots, and then they end up going in like the no-no-yes shot. That's how I felt about him in December and November. Now I don't feel that way. I mean, they're not going in, which as a shooter, like, I mean, you got to keep getting them up to get them in. Um, but I don't know. 
I just don't know if that production is worth it to let him figure it out during games. If that makes sense. I don't know if I don't know if it's worth it in conference time to let him play 15, 20 minutes a game to go 0 for 8 or 0 for 9 against the Bama, against Florida, against on the road against Arkansas. You know, like I just don't know if you can let him have the ball that much or be even be on the court that much to figure it out during conference play. I think that I think that ship may have sailed. He might have hit a cold stretch at the worst possible point for his playing time, you know, yeah. uh, which sucks. But especially if uh, if Freddie gets more playing time and he starts playing well and Ziggler keeps what keeps up what he's doing and Viscovi finally figures it out, you can only play so many guys. Yeah. He, I mean, if those three things happen, mainly if Ziggler keeps playing the way he does and Viscovi figures it out, he's not going to be out there very much, if at all. You know, I mean, that's just, that's cold part of the business, but for winning games without him, sorry, kid. Um, shout out Nth Degree North Orthodox. That was a great text yesterday. You said Jordan Ganey needs to go back to, to nth degree orthodontics in Spartanburg. And for those that don't get that reference, Jordan Ganey was a, at, I guess, the past two years at USC Upstate, which is in Spartanburg, South Carolina, home of nth degree orthodontics. So there you go. Um, looking ahead this week. Oh, sorry. Docs in a box. Docs in a box. One 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 fourth of the members of Docs in a Box. True. Uh, looking ahead, so the Vols went one and one this week. Um, I don't have. Let me see if I can find it real fast. The SEC standings. The Vols are obviously not in first place. Um, they're at two and one. Uh, the surprise team of the. SEC season. I guess surprise might be a strange word. I mean, I thought they would be okay this year. I didn't think they were they've come out of the gate pretty hot as the Auburn Tigers. They're three and 14 and two overall. You've got Alabama at three and 11 and five overall. Then you've got Ole Miss, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU all at two and one. We're only three games in, followed by Mississippi State, Florida. Texas A&M all at one and two. Texas A&M's a little bit of a surprise. They're off to a slow start. Uh, biggest surprise in the conference, I think, for a lot of people is uh, Arkansas. They're 0-3 along with Missouri and Vandy, which is not a surprise. They're not very good this year, either one of those teams. Um, so Vols, 2-1 and one out of the gate, 12-4 and four overall. Um, and coming up this week, we got a couple home games, Harbin. We got the Florida Gators coming to town on Tuesday night. That game is a 7 p.m. tip off on on ESPN one. And then you've got on Saturday, either at 12 o'clock or 2 o'clock. They've not set the time yet. The Alabama Crimson Tide. Blitz Bama Blitz coming to town. ESPN or ESPN two. Um, so I think. These two games are two tough games again for Tennessee, whether people want to think that or not. Um, this SEC season is going to be tough. I mean, Florida Gators, just looking at them, 
they just picked up their first uh, SEC win in the season this past weekend. Um, looking at Ken Palm, I just had it pulled up here. Where did they go? Uh, by the way, uh, while you're looking at whatever you're looking at, um, Florida has been very good at home, and I've talked to multiple Florida fans that I know. Um, mm -hmm. Florida basketball team is very good at home. Uh, they are dog shit on the road. Uh, and that is a direct quote, so excuse me. But Who's your sources? <laughs> I don't reveal my sources. Uh, well, you shouldn't. Yeah, I don't reveal my sources. Um, but uh, Ole Miss's first game after we torched them was at home against Florida. And I was like, I'll sprinkle a little bit on Ole Miss. You know, I feel like that's – I mean, I'll, I'll sprinkle a little bit on Florida because I thought that was the correct play. Uh, Ole Miss beat the Tar out of Florida, which is it. Which they is, did. Was in Oxford. Uh, but then Florida's next game, I believe they played Arkansas, which was two nights ago, Friday night. Thank uh, they beat the Tar out of Arkansas, but it was in Gainesville. So, yeah, Arkansas is bad. Arkansas is bad right now. I don't know what's going on with them. I watched them. Did they play in the Battle for Atlantis? Is that the one they played in? I believe so. Yes. I watched them play, and they had a I believe it was a double overtime game against Stanford. UNC. Was it Stanford or UNC? It wasn't. It wasn't UNC. Okay. It was somebody also bad. Um. Arkansas is not good. Um, they're long, they're athletic, they can play pretty good defense like normal Arkansas teams, but watching them on offense made my eyes hurt. I was listening to the hoop the hoop southbound guys, and they're they're Arkansas fans, and they like one of their hosts came on the other night with a with a, a paper bag over his head. I mean, it, they're in they're in rough shape over there, and they pretty much insinuated that the team quit anytime anything goes bad and i've seen this out of teams before they just quit they just kind of gave up but yeah they're 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 not good um you're right florida did beat them this past weekend um just for uh just to give everybody out there some knowledge harbin uh the florida gators in ken palm are number 40 um, they've moved up over the past few weeks. They're 25th in adjusted offense. They're 80th in adjusted defense. So they're about where Georgia was. Georgia was in that area defensively. Um, just to give you some context, Tennessee's number eight in Ken Palm. They've dropped a few spots this week. Um, defensively, they're third overall, and they're 20th overall offense here this is a key stat adjusted tempo which means how quick a team plays i'll read you the definition here it's adjusted tempo is possessions per 40 minutes adjusted for opponent tennessee has moved up to number 82 in the country let me give you some context last year tennessee was 288 so they've improved dramatically on the offensive end this year and i think a lot of that's contributed to dalton connect but um, back to Florida, Harbin, we've got uh, Tennessee versus Florida Tuesday night. Like I said, 7 o'clock. Uh, matchup predictor has Tennessee as an 83.7% chance to win that ball game at Thompson Bowling Arena, not the Food City Center. 
Um, then you've got the Alabama Crimson Tide coming up here to TBA. They are number six in Ken Palm, number one overall in adjusted offense, and number 57 overall in adjusted defense. So a top 10 matchup according to Ken Palm. Uh, Tennessee is 61.5% chance to win according to the matchup predictor. Um, Alabama is going to shoot the ball a lot. They like to shoot threes and dunk it. Um, kind of the old Carter High system. system. It's system. So I don't know if they I don't know if they play as fast as uh <laughs> the running hornets did. Let's see what their adjusted tempo is. They're 35th in the country. So Florida's I mean, adjusted tempo is eleven. Wow. Alabama's style is like the modern NBA. Florida uh, will shoot a bunch of threes too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that's just where basketball is going. Analytics have mm-hmm. said that either need to shoot a three or get it to the basket. Uh, the mid-range is dead for the most part. Um, Jonas Aiden is trying to keep it alive. Um, <laughs> but looking mm-hmm. forward to the games, um, I haven't looked at the line. Let me do that real quick. Um, without looking at it, I would assume – that we're probably between an eight and eleven point favorite against Florida. Um, I heard six and a half, but I don't know if that's official. Well, if that's the case, that's farm. <laughs> um, trying to down. I hadn't up. found. I hadn't even looked. I'm trying to find it. Hang on. Um, While you're looking, Florida's losses this year, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Baylor, and Virginia is what I found. So not terrible losses. All pretty good programs. And Alabama's schedule is about the same. They played a pretty tough schedule. Um, I watched them play, was it Arizona a few weeks ago, out in Phoenix maybe? Um, that was a wild back and forth up and down the court game. Uh, Arizona ended up winning it, but um, do you think the Vols? How do you think the Vols do this week, Harbin? They go two and zero, one and one, or zero and two. I mean, we're a much better team at home than we are on the road, which that is very normal for college basketball. Um, but. I think with the performances that the performance that we put up in Starkville and what we tried to do in Athens, I think we we're ready to get home. Um, looking forward to the next three games. Like you said, we have Florida and Alabama at home, and then we go to the road at Vandy. Uh, that's why I think it was so important to claw back and get that Georgia victory is because you have a very good chance to win these two at home. And Vandy's bad, but it is on the road, which it's Thompson Bowling West. Um, you can go. You have a very good chance to go 3-0 in these next games and get a four-game winning streak, which gives you a huge amount of confidence. Um, I can't find the line on this Tennessee game, but – According to ESPN, we're an 83.7% chance to win. You may have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be somewhere around eight 
Uh, like you said, I'd kind of put them in that same boat against Georgia. Um, and we were a seven and a half point favorite on the road against them, and home is three points. So that's why I said in the eight to 11 range. Um, I think we beat Florida. Um, depends on how they're shooting, but generally, what we've seen in the SEC this year, like shooting on the road, has been has been kind of hard to come by. So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guarantee the same uh, outcome as what happened against Ole Miss, but I think it could be similar to that. Do you I think, think we, he, are either of these two games a trap game? No, no, because the rivalry games that's different. It's way different. Uh, okay, it's way different. Rivalry games are never trap games. Um, See, a trap game to me is Vanderbilt. You're going on the road. You're probably going to be favored by what? 10, yeah, 12, I mean, 14 if you have points. A, That's if trap you have, game. If you have a if you have a rivalry where the other team is very bad, potentially, but Florida's not bad. I wouldn't put them in the good category either. But they're not bad. Uh, Alabama's better than them, but I think we, I think we beat Florida fairly handedly, um, based on what we've done at TBA this year. Um, the Alabama game could be a dogfight, um, especially if if they get the pace up like they want to. We're going to try to slow it down tremendously against them, as we should. Um, which. Alabama's kind of funny because we don't really know a ton about them, in my personal opinion. Um, are you looking up Alabama's schedule so far? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, so I'm looking up. I'm looking up my hater. I'm looking up some info real quick on my hater and losers of the week. All right. Well, real quick while you're doing that, we'll look at Alabama. Um, their key wins and losses of the season. Um, so on Saturday. They won at Mississippi State, beating by eight. That's something that we couldn't do. So, upper hand right there. Um, they beat the hell out of South Carolina at home, 74-47. They won at Vandy only by three, but road SEC win. Before that, um, they got beat by 13 by Arizona in Phoenix. Uh, they lost by three to Creighton. I believe that was at Creighton. Uh, they've lost. They lost by six to Purdue. That was in Toronto. Um, Clemson beat them in the ACC SEC Challenge. Uh, they beat Oregon. Yeah, I mean they they've kind of been up and down, but they're 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 a good team. Um, so that game is not going to be easy. Um, we have the upper hand slightly, I'd say. Um, you have a good chance to go 2-0 this week, for sure. Um, I definitely think that you need to take care of business against Florida. Um, my prediction is that we beat them by around 15 because I'm kind of putting them in the same boat as Ole Miss. Which Ole Miss beat them by about 20 in Oxford, but if you if they played in the swamp, that game is probably a three to five point game either way. Um, 
we'll see. It just kind of depends on how, how the shots are falling. Um, like you said, we still get into these lulls. Um, they seem to be uh, far less, far less bad at home than they do on the road. So I think we have a very good chance to go two and zero, uh, and not looking too far ahead, but also get a win at Bandy and get a four game winning streak going in the SEC play. Um, you're right. The and Day Day said this last week. The there's the lulls are still there. Every team has. I mean, you watch any game. I was watching somebody play the other night. Some team went like eight minutes without a field goal. Um, but I, you're right. They're not as bad at home, but. Um, imagine this team without those long four and five minute scoring droughts. They still scored 80, what, five yesterday, 77 at Mississippi State. I mean, they're averaging near 80 points a game, and they still have these Jekyll and Hyde moments during the game. Um, so just imagine if they didn't. I mean, they might be scoring close to 85 a game. Um, but yeah, I think Tennessee this week, I think they. They take care of business at home against Florida. Um, Alabama will be tough. They're a good basketball team. No, they're not ranked, um, but they're very highly rated by the metrics. That's going to be a tough game in Thompson Bowling. Tennessee better come ready to play um, because Alabama can score with the best of them. But I think uh, Tennessee just plays really well at home. They don't lose much at home. I'm going to say Tennessee goes 2-0 and this week. Um, they've got Vandy coming up after Alabama and South Carolina. So two very winnable games coming up uh, for the Vols after these two. So very important to probably win these two games this week. Um, that way it gives you a little momentum heading into very, very winnable games that they're going to be heavily favored in against South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Um, I, real quick, I do expect um, at least two out of these three over the next two games to step up out of – Triple J, Vescovy, and Meshack. Um, I think at least two out of those three will have very good games against Florida and Alabama. And I think we're going to need two of those three guys to play good to beat both of them. I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um, Harbin, before we get into haters and losers of the week, give your thoughts, give the listeners, give the people your thoughts on Nick Saban retiring. From Alabama Crimson Tide. Big oh, story big story of the week. That's huge. Um I'll start I'll start off with my non biasness. Um greatest coach of my lifetime, um football wise. Um probably the greatest college football coach of all time. Um outside of the hatred, um, <laughs> Once I got older, I grew to respect the hell out of the guy. You know, I really did. Um, it was fun. It, it was fun to hate him, uh, and it sucked losing to him so many times. Which we got him in his final trip to Knoxville, so suck on that. But um, I think it was a surprise that it happened this year. Um, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Um, I didn't. It was it was kind of odd, but um, they ended up with uh, DeBorn from Washington. Um, I thought it was going to be Lanning, uh, reportedly. Lanning said no, which I thought was a shock. 
we don't know if they officially reached out to Sarkeesian and what was the other one? Uh, Norville. Norville, yeah. But after Lanning put out his little chicken chip video of I'm not leaving, um, Sarkeesian and Norville kind of followed suit. So potentially DeBorn was fourth or fifth mm-hmm. pick. Um, maybe he was the first or second option. We have no idea. Um, I don't know how good he's going to be. Um, following in a legend's footsteps like that, no matter what, it's going to look like a disappointment. Um, I don't see six mm-hmm. titles in the next 12 years coming out of him. So, I mean, that's going to be a disappointment. It's going to be a culture shock for Alabama fans. It really is. You think about it all, and I know some of those kids down there at Alabama that are in college that we hung out with at the game this past fall. Like, think about them. Like, they've never – they grew up not knowing anything but Alabama either winning the SEC – or playing in the SEC title game every year, or being in the BCS championship game, or being in the playoffs. They just don't know any different. And that is not – I mean, outside of Ohio State, I mean, who's been in the playoffs every year? It's Alabama and Ohio State. That's been it. And outside of that, it's been a revolving door of different teams. You've had Washington. You've had Georgia. I mean, Georgia's the most – recent to kind of solidify them if they didn't even make it this year they probably should have been but i mean you've had a revolving door of of uh, washington uh, um i'm trying to think georgia i mean you've had texas texas in there you've had michigan in there you've had oklahoma in there um you know you've had just a mixture of teams over the past few years oregon so it's um, you know, does that does Nick Saban leaving Alabama and retiring open the door up for and I know we're going to 12 teams now, so it kind of waters it down just a little bit, but you know, Alabama's probably still probably gonna be in that that 12 man race, but it makes it a little more interesting. There's a lot of unknowns. I mean, he I think DeBoer's a good coach and he'll do I think probably pretty well down there, but I just don't, like you said, I don't see him winning six titles in 12 years and going to the championship game or the semifinals every year. Maybe he does and surprises us, but I don't see that. But um, I felt bad for old Roll Tide Willie. He was in tears the other night. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he was hurting. But uh, quickly, Harbin, haters and losers of the week. I'll go ahead and give you mine. I've got a list of them here. Um. Four individuals. I actually have four. Is that allowed? I, mean, I guess so, if they're all related. Yeah, it's all related. Uh, these four individuals decided after Tennessee beat Iowa 35-0 to zero, to vote Iowa ahead of Tennessee in their final poll, which is why I hate the AP poll in all sports. Uh, you had Reese Davis, who had Iowa ranked 17th, Tennessee unranked, Reese Davis of College Game Day. Emily Adams. I had to look up Ms. Adams. And she is... Is she hot? Mm, nah, not my cup of tea. I mean, she's not ugly, I guess. But, uh, no, she's not hot. Um, She is with the uh, UConn's Women Basketball and Connecticut Sun for the Hartford Current. So she's a Yankee. She also has her pronouns in her profile, if that tells you anything. 
She has Tennessee at 19, Iowa at 17. Um, our next individual is a guy named Mike Varell. Mike Varell is a University of Washington Huskies reporter and soon to be sports columnist for the Seattle Times. Uh, Mike does not have his pronouns in his pr Twitter profile. He had Iowa at 18, Tennessee at 22. And our final hater and loser of the week is a guy named Ron Counts. He's a Boise State football beat writer for the Idaho Statesman. He is a four-time APSE award winner. Um, don't know what that is, but great. Good for him. He had Iowa at 17 and Tennessee unranked. How could you – obviously, they didn't watch the game, but how could you sit there and watch that game and have Iowa ranked not just ahead of Tennessee, but two of these four – and there may be more of these people, but two of the four had Tennessee unranked in their poll. How could you seriously sit there and watch that game and vote like that? They ought to have their voting rights stripped – from them and never allowed to be returned, which is why I do not look at AP polls. I don't care about them. I just happened to stumble upon this and thought it was ridiculous. So they, those four individuals, Reese Davis, Emily Adams, Mike Varell, Ron Counts, are negative nieces, haters, and losers of the week. What do you got, Harbin? Um, I was going to go low-hanging fruit with Mike McCarthy, but we spent 20 minutes on that at the beginning of the show. So yeah, good move. Not going to. Um but my hater and loser of the week is gonna be citizens of Tuscaloosa, Alabama slash Alabama fans. Um, which we touched on this about five minutes ago. But um in the following days after Nick Saban announced his retirement, um for those that don't know. Um, they already have a statue erected of uh, Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. Um, but various citizens of Tuscaloosa and fans that potentially traveled uh, placed what I will call gifts at the feet of Nick Saban's um, statue. Uh, of these, uh, a lot of them were oatmeal cream pies, Coca-Cola's messages. Uh, some people left uh, print-offs of pictures when they met the guy. Um, niece, correct me. Uh, did he retire or did he pass away? Well, I thought he retired, but um, from the pictures and everything I saw, I thought he had passed away. Uh, it was very odd to me. Um, there were some very funny ones. I was trying to find the tweet exactly. But I didn't like it. I was there was a there was one that said, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant." Yes, <laughs> that was probably uh, my favorite one. There was and, that. and there was a bag of ice. Uh, and there was one I'm assuming student or former student that uh printed off a picture of when he met him somewhere, potentially when he was doing a talk show at a at a pub or something, uh, and he left a gold four loco next to the picture. I thought that was absolutely awesome. That's great. Uh, my favorite comment out of all of it, because there was a ton of Cokes and oatmeal cream pies, little Debbie cakes, because uh, apparently that was his mm -hmm. drink and snack of choice. Uh, one guy commented and said, Coke and cream pies is how Rick between Rick Patino yes. went out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not going to explain that one. Um, 
but yeah, I just thought that was really weird. I understand he did so much for that university um, and college football in general. That's just an odd behavior. Like, he didn't die, guys. Like, he's just he's just a guy. Like, I saw one that said, long live the king. Like, again, he's alive. Like, he's... He's he's not sick either. Like it's not like he's got a got Lou Gehrig's disease. Like he's fine. But that's my haters and losers of the week. Um, I know we're very short on time, so I'll I'll cut it off right there. Good nomination there. I think both of us have good nominees this week. Well, we're we're gonna get out of here. Like Harbin said, time is short. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Um, Cowboys fans, keep your heads up. Like Cubs fans, we finally got our title. Maybe one day you'll finally get yours again, even though you have one in some of your all's lifetimes. But anyways, keep your heads up. Appreciate everybody listening. Remember, you can find us YouTube, anywhere you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Please go watch us and like and subscribe and share. Uh, for Harbin, this has been Negative Nice. This has been the Section YY8 Podcast. Once I had-